Welcome to the TESFE podcast with me, Sarah Simons. In today's episode, we'll be looking at middle leadership, a theme that accompanies George Ryan's feature in this week's TES magazine. Joining me to discuss our experience and expertise in the field is Joe Marr. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Sarah. Hiya. Tell us about what you do in FE. I'm the Principal and Chief Executive at Boston College in Lincolnshire. Can you tell us a bit about your, your journey to the role you're in now? I started life as a part-time sessional lecturer um, at Loughborough College about 12, 13 years ago. I was studying for my master's at the time. You know, I started out doing part-time teaching on functional skills, maths, believe it or not. And I worked with the NEET students, so not in education or training, on their introductory programs to, to sport. From that, as soon as I completed my master's, the, in fact, the day I handed my thesis in, I started my full-time teaching contract. I spent about 18 months full-time permanently in further education sport, where it was the department that I started in. So I was doing level two sport programs, level three extended diplomas. And then during that time, because I'd finished my master's, I started to pick up units in, in their higher education department. I then progressed to full-time in, in higher education as a lecturer um, and course manager before being offered the opportunity to take over as a curriculum manager on an interim basis um, due to a maternity cover, actually. When the staff member came back from maternity leave, the principal at the time gave me the option of um, moving departments to stay at the same level and applying and trying to go permanently or obviously going back to my previous role. So it was at that time I moved over to a, a leisure department and we were going through a new leadership team. So the whole executive team, due to the retirement um, of a principal and other retirements quickly followed, we had a brand new team in place. So I was restructured and we did a department restructure. So I moved a curriculum area into a much larger department and it was a business management and professional department. And it grew from there, really. Since leaving Loughborough College, I then took an assistant principalship at Rees Heath in Nantwich in Cheshire and spent just over two years there before before coming over to Boston. So I've been in the sector around about 12, 13 years, I think it is. The only layer I didn't go through was vice principal. Other than that, I worked my way through every single layer of, of the structure. And also you're a psychologist, am I right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a practitioner psychologist and a chartered scientist. So my background is in sport and exercise science with a master's in sports psychology, as well as my chartered status. Lots of experience from a psychologist's point of view, I should imagine, in terms of leadership. Yeah, and, and you know, I've actually worked in leadership settings. You know, my role for World Skills UK is I get drafted in a competition as the as the team leader and I work on the competition boot camps. But outside of that, I've done consultancy for them with companies like BAE Systems. And a lot of that is about is around that leadership piece. And I think the large majority of, of work in leadership, you know, I recently attended the, the chief executive's course on strategic leadership at the University of Oxford funded by the Education and Training Foundation and the large majority of leadership is, is situated within the psychology literature base and evidence base. I feel like I need to apologise for bringing this up because it's irrelevant but it's also something that's really unique about you. You're 32. I recently turned 33. My understanding is that, that I was the youngest appointed principal chief exec in a GFE college I think there might have been someone in a sixth form college a few years ago but from a GFE perspective I think there's quite a distance between myself and and the next youngest and you know it's um it's something that I recognized at the time of the appointment um, my board knew you know but but interestingly my chair of the board when he got his insolvency practitioner license a number of years ago he was the youngest at the time to do that you know and he very much had the view that it's about your competence and not your age you know and absolutely that's how I want to be judged on on how competent I am and the level that I'm operating on you know as opposed to age and and I think 
having that sector experience, being a qualified teacher. You know, I've got my level five diploma in education and training alongside my uh, two other degrees. Clearly, from a credibility and knowledge perspective, I feel like I've earned my stripes in the sector as someone who's a passionate teacher, but also has extended into that leadership role with the experience to go with it. Absolutely. And the, the work that you're doing at your college is, is phenomenal, isn't it? You know, I'm really lucky. Boston College is a fantastic college and it's given me a great opportunity to to deliver on and develop some of the excellent work that was already in place. You know, I was very clear that I wanted to come to a college that had been very well managed, very well ran. You know, I absolutely didn't want to take my first job on as a turnaround project, you know, turning something that was requiring dramatic improvement on either the quality or the finance side. And Boston College is, you know, in outstanding financial health. We're pushing for outstanding in Ofsted. You know, it's really about taking us to that next level. And that's where I think my sport background, thinking about high performance, I describe this role as kind of, you know, it's about high performance. And, and at some point later down the line, you know, it'd be great to go and test my skills on a turnaround project. But right now, I'm absolutely delighted to be here and I'm committed to the future. Have you encountered any challenges because of your age? I've had I've had the odd comment, I've had the odd dig. Sometimes that's in a social setting, you know, if I go out to a conference, sometimes it's well intended, just being jovial, and other times you can tell that there's a bit of bite to it. I'm very lucky and I've got a very well established network. Uh, there's some fantastic principals in the sector. Jill Alton at Grimsby, Marion Plant, both through her role as a principal chief exec and through World Skills, they've been fantastically supportive. I know that they want me to do well and they support me to achieve. But equally, I've had comments about that if I don't perform because other boards might be watching, uh, that I would be letting vice principals down who want to make that next step, who are either older or more experienced, you know. So so I have had those comments. Well, that's uh, not fair, is it? It's nothing that I'm not used to. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's right. And I actually think that if I can do a good job and if that means that it creates opportunities for younger people, if it creates opportunities for, for women, that then brilliant. There's lots of sectors at the moment having these challenges, being representative of the population they serve. And whether that's looking at your board, whether that's looking at your leadership team, I firmly believe that we need to be representing the young people that we serve. So through being young in post, I've got the energy and the drive and the passion to, to absolutely try and role model high energy and high performance and if if there's one student that could think all right okay i could go and do that well brilliant that's what we're here for it's about the students it's not about other people being competitive i think there's room in every sector for lots of people to have fantastic careers and to achieve their potential the biggest satisfaction i get out of my job is when i develop colleagues and other people to improve within their job or to get a higher role or to go and earn a higher salary i I turned a part-time administrator into a full-time pa recognized a skill set that was way beyond what I needed and went around the coaching and development plan and she just took a £40,000 project management job. That's brilliant and it brings us on to talent spotting essentially how and at what stage talents identified and nurtured within within colleges. Is a is a, a formal kind of pipeline for that do you think within the sector or is it at these personal level relationships that are built? I think the sector has really started to, through the Education and Training Foundation and the work of the Association of Colleges, I think they're really trying to recognise that that there's been a gap there, you know, and that the investment that's gone into the programmes with the University of Oxford, AOC Create, they're starting to really recognise that despite the funding challenges 
which I think absolutely, you know, have to, we have to understand that that's really played a role in the volume of training and development across the whole sector, not just in leadership positions. Colleges used to be able to fund teaching qualifications as standard, and now very few are able to fund that, or they've got to have relationships and contracts with staff that says, listen, if you leave after this period of time, you're going to have to pay this much back, um, because the, the money isn't there. And I think there needs to be a, a strategic, structured, sector-level approach to talent identification. But I think you could look back over the last seven years and say it's been highly institutionally specific. Is some of it about people identifying themselves? If they're ambitious, putting themselves forward and saying, yeah, I am interested in this. I do want to move, say, from lecturer to programme manager. There's an element of that. I think anybody that is mindful to progress needs the confidence to put themselves out there. And at times, I think in any industry, you need to put your hand up and volunteer for stuff. You need to take opportunities for additional work. There's a fine balance between doing things because you want to gain the experience to progress versus a recognition that in every instance it can't always be rewarded and and sometimes it's about an investment in yourself you know I've invested personally a, a huge amount of money in my training and development out of my own pocket that at the time that was almost how I looked at it like a cost of acquisition it was like if in 10 years time I'm earning a higher salary than I am now well I'm almost going to pay myself back and I think There's a lot of kind of waiting for someone to pick them and waiting for, here's a course and it'll all be paid for. And unfortunately, I think in many industries, that's very difficult to to do. So there has to be an element of putting your hand up. There has to be an element of putting yourself forward. Sometimes it's a gamble and it works and you, you get the rewards. And other times you build that experience. But the absolute reality is that not absolutely everybody that builds their skill set for progression will be able to progress in the institute in the time that they'd want to and that there's a fine balance between building the talent of your workforce and losing your workforce because they've become they've outgrown the role they're in and you can't afford to offer them the role that they need because we can't just be making jobs you know and that and that's I think a real challenge in the sector particularly in rural colleges you know if you were in a city centre and there might be four colleges within a half an hour 45 minute travel radius you see a lot of churn between sectors where there's lots of colleges close together. You know, yeah. someone will go to a college for two or three years, move to another college. I think in rural areas, it compounds the challenge further because you can invest in the talent and you can develop it. But if you then can't offer that a remunerated level associated with their skills, you're going to lose them. And I think that's where colleges have been in this last seven years of austerity and funding cuts going, we know we want to invest. Why would we not want to build the skills of our workforce? But there's a careful tension of them. When we do that, if we lose them, what's the impact on our students? So I do think there are conflating issues that are compounding this institutional approach versus sector approach on developing that that talent profile. Once somebody's made that first move from lecturer or from another role into middle leadership, how are people prepared for what that job entails? I know... From my personal experience, seeing my managers, because I've always been a lecturer, I've never been in management at all, I really see it as they're getting it from all sides, that having to kind of manage what's coming down in terms of leadership and strategy and all that grown-up stuff, <laughs> and, uh, and the teachers managing what's going on with teachers and their expectations and the stuff that's happening on the ground. Blooming hard work, it looks like to me. Absolutely. There's lots of titles in the sector, you know, curriculum manager, head of department, program manager, whatever that role is, that middle role where either you're looking after 
a curriculum area with multiple courses and multiple staff or you're looking after a department with two or three different areas and again multiple staff and, and layers irrespective of whether it's department level or curriculum level I think it's the hardest job in the sector I really do and I think you're absolutely right that it's not just now great teachers that are motivated that are in those positions they're expected to be great teachers that are motivated that can be managers starting to understand that piece between leadership and management and starting to have the technical skills to to operate but they're business managers as well now you know we are absolutely under financial pressure across the sector and within that role the skills of of business are coming in so you can't go too far one way and you can't go too far the other we've got to ensure that people have got the skills to be able to do both they need to understand budget and hr issues and ensure that they're attuned to employment law ensure that they're attuned to legislation but also they've got to be able to run the finances of that section and generate a surplus or contribution to central back to and their executive team to be able to continue to run the college and when i say surplus let's remind ourselves that colleges at the total college level will be doing well in the current marketplace to deliver between one to three percent but you model that down to curriculum area they're going to have to deliver about 50 percent to enable the overall business to operate at one to three percent so it's a huge challenge you've mentioned the role of mentoring that took place and really supported your progression and your continued development how do you go about finding the right mentor to fit your skills and needs and ambitions so I've always been very lucky that I've been able to secure mentors outside of where I've been employed so it removes that whole what if you build your skills and then you look to leave you know I spent just under 10 years at Loughborough College so I absolutely committed and developed literally the only reason I left was one the, the, the next level up of assistant principal wasn't in the structure at that time and it would have been far too big of a jump to go from head of department to vice principal so there wasn't a role for me and I felt that my skill set was ready for that role I did think after nine years just over nine years I did need to go and experience another college you almost get to a point where if you don't genuinely want to go all the way it's good to have different colleges in your portfolio to see how different things operate yeah it's not about uh, rushing through or, or, or looking to leave you know it was the right decision at the right time and also um, it's so easy for it to get institutionalized isn't it and not even yeah, realize uh, that your worldview has become the perimeters of your college yeah I was very mindful that there was people inside the, the college that I looked up to that were role models you know Helen Van Aert the, the head of department for sport at the time has probably been the biggest influence on my career in terms of absolutely no ego high performing highly competitive but no ego was absolutely prepared to develop me and knew full well and said to me you will go to a level higher than I'll ever go to not because she couldn't because she didn't want to you know that role was right for her loves the college right for family but to be able to sit back and go I'm going to watch you go higher takes a hell of a uh, set of character and values and you know in a personality set and that's quite unique you don't get that in the sector a lot there is that competitiveness there is that at times that edge where people apply for the same job and they've not told the other person and you know I describe it almost as like a there's not sportsmanship if you like um and in the world of sport you, you want to help your teammates out you want to dig in for each other you know sometimes there can be that competitiveness and so I've always I've had people in the building that I've kind of looked up to but for different reasons I've decided I'm going to look to them for that I'm going to look to them for that but then 
I've always had someone outside and even from a young age Dr David Fletcher at Loughborough University was supervising my I'm working on my PhD by publication and he was supervising the publications that we were writing together and my supervised experience for being a psychologist you know he was exceptional at, at saying you know set yourself a five-year career plan build your goals where do you want to be why do you want to be there and I was testing and challenging the why so it's not about you want that job why do you want that job what how do your skills match you know find a job for the level above you pull the job description and build yourself a learning and development plan against that job description so that you know in two years time you can fill out that application don't go for a job and then just look at it so I actually was given a very targeted very purposeful set of process goals that I built into a career development plan and I worked towards so even as assistant principal I was pulling off vice principal and principal jobs and going can I evidence that experience? If I can't, what do I need to do? Can I evidence that skill set? If I can't, how do I go and get it? Who do I need exposure to? What what do I need within my portfolio? Quite tactical to, to develop the skill set. And I think sometimes we go for things for different reasons. But if we're going to be really meaningful and purposeful about it, we need to have structure. We don't develop by accident. It needs to be targeted. And having someone outside the college can remove those internal competitive biases, which are inevitable. You know, I wouldn't want my management team leave and I want them to stay of course I do but I want to stay because they're good and for the right reasons to add value to the students but you know there might be times when they've outdeveloped where they are and then you're in that challenging position where you want to support the individual but obviously of course you've got to look after your college yeah what advice would you give to people who are starting out who are lecturing who are thinking maybe one day they could be in the position that you are find someone in that position or or the position below that you've got a connection with a personality connection that you know that you that you trust you've got to trust the individual and if you trust someone and you value their judgments that's the person that needs to develop you and mentoring can be informal you know of course there's some highly skilled coaches and mentors out there that are qualified um, practitioners but I think if someone's got good morals and ethics that align with yours then you know they're going to give you good advice for the right reasons and if you can find someone you trust to give you good advice that's the person you need to listen to so get yourself out there to conferences network build a network go after it purposefully don't be afraid to ask the question you know I've had people from other colleges just say can I come to Boston and can we have a coffee and I'm like my diary permits why would I not allow them to do that you know because you can learn from each other just because someone's in a a different role to you doesn't mean you're not going to learn something so I take it as a learning opportunity as well and I have supported people since I've been in post to in other colleges to to get advice and to help them build their network but I think you've got to get to know people across the sector there's some really there's some really good eggs in the sector and it's about finding them and making sure that you're prepared to listen and prepared to get some challenging constructive feedback it's not going to be uh, roses they're not just going to tell you great they're going to give you feedback on things that you need to do to develop find those blind spots but it's really important to find someone that can be honest with you and yes give you the praise that you deserve but equally give you that reality check of and this is really where you are and this is what you need to do and you know what it's going to be tough and you might not get paid for it in the short term and you might not get loo time and you might have to work but that's that is the reality joe it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you thanks so much not a problem at all this has been the TES FE podcast with Joe Marr and me, Sarah Simons. Join us again soon for all the FE news and views. Thanks for listening.